Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with Scott Anderson, a problem gambling specialist for the state. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend dives into the state's current situation with legal abortions, the continuing discussions about what Intel's presence in central Ohio means, and efforts being made at the James Cancer Hospital to fulfill President Biden's goals for reducing cancer deaths. And I'll wrap up the hour in about 50 minutes with Matt McLaren, the director of Ohio Find It Here, the state's travel and tourism agency. First up on Columbus Perspective, on the phone with me, Scott Anderson. He's a problem gambling specialist with the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for talking to us. We've had you on before. Uh, This time around, we're going to talk again about gambling, but it's also National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and uh, the two are kind of tied together in an unfortunate way, I guess. And there's a lot of reasons, uh, one of them being that gambling is different than other things in the fact that it offers hope, all right? Uh, A lot of people use gambling as a way to avoid unpleasant feelings or situations or financially, uh, relationship-wise, employment, uh, and they think, you know, hitting this one big windfall or you know, making all this all this money back could could improve my my situation. When in fact, you know, of, of course it's possible, but it's not likely. Uh, so a lot of people get further in debt or further in, in uh, relationship problems or employment problems as a result of their gambling, which only makes the depression or the situation worse. So if they get to the point to where they're contemplating suicide, does that mean that even they have given up on the idea, the hope of winning again, or do they simply not have anything left to wager? A lot of times uh, gambling is so hidden. Um, You know, if I was intoxicated, you would be able to tell by even my voice. But I could have lost money this morning, and there would be no way to know that or see that. So a lot of times family members are unaware Um, employers are unaware, uh, you know, friends are unaware until it's really obvious that, you know, I'm in, uh, you know, the house is being taken or uh, uh, I'm caught stealing money from my employer or I've opened accounts that my my partner is unaware of. Um, A lot of times, uh, you know, those things come to light um, and and that hopelessness, uh, you know, really, really uh, amplifies at that point. So it's like the levee's been breached. All, all your barriers uh, are kind of uh, tumbling down, and may, you might lose your job, you might lose your family. All, everything is cascading. And, and it's not an uncommon um, thing to think, you know, I'm $40,000 down. I could stop gambling and get a part-time job and pay all that money back. Or I could just keep gambling and hope to win. Uh, so the, the answer and the solution take the place of the problem take place of the solution take place of the problem and it becomes like a hamster in a wheel uh, and it usually you know only goes in one direction down and this is the kind of thing too i'm guessing that uh, you know we'll, we'll hear from time to time about suicides or sometimes even uh murder suicides and a lot of times we never really find out from the authorities you know what caused it what what the driving force behind it was and i'm guessing that a fairly significant percent of the time maybe this is it it, it very well, well could be and you know also we've been experiencing an, in a very unique situation over the last several years with uh, this the pandemic and uh, 
but many, many of us have lost connection. Um, you know, that we've lost community. Uh, you know, we we couldn't um, congregate. It, you know, in our in our places of worship, in our normal social activities, in our normal clubs, restaurants, even. So there's a tremendous amount of isolation that takes place during this time, and now we have these darn phones, where we are connected to the world. You know, in our pocket, no matter where, no matter how far we are from other people, and the accessibility of uh, these gambling apps. Uh, we saw a tremendous um, increase to calls to our problem gambling helpline on day trading, on stock market uh, futures, commodities, things like that, where people were getting apps on their phone like Robinhood or one of the other apps where they could actually trade stocks from their phone uh, and cyber currency, uh, the, the Bitcoins and Ethereums and things like that, where people were actually unable to go to a casino or racino, but they were able to, to gamble in sort of unusual ways right from the, with the comfort of their own home with their phone. Wow. Talking with Scott Anderson, problem gambling specialist with the state of Ohio. When people call for help on the, on the gambling helpline, and if they are really to the point where they're contemplating suicide, does that often come up early in the conversation, or is that something that, that takes them a long time to unravel about themselves? Well, right now, I, I should mention, um, Ohio has initiated a new uh, call for help uh, for suicide and other mental health um, emergencies, and it's 988. It's very similar to 911 that we call now for, for police or fire or ambulance, but if you have a mental health emergency or a family member is, is having a crisis, you can call 988 and you can be linked to services. And if you're not sure and you did call 911, they can, they can do the same thing. But 9, 988 is, is up and running now in Ohio. And, and our helpline, uh, 1-800-589-9966, which is on all the casino and racino publications as well as lottery tickets and so forth, um, those uh, those uh, referral specialists are trained to ask those questions and make sure that if someone is in a crisis uh, that they're that they're immediately helped. Yeah. So if somebody's calling about a gambling problem and then if they're talking to somebody on your hotline and and then they start talking about suicide, then I'm guessing that that they're they're forwarded on to somebody with a different specialty. Well, yes, they'll be they'll be given an immediate. Um, a, a, warm transfer or referral to someone that can speak to them right away and, and de-escalate that situation. But you should know that gambling treatment is free in Ohio. Um, it's paid for by the Casino uh, Gambling and Addiction Funds, which is uh, 2% of the taxes from the casinos come to the state that we then distribute out into communities to treat um, problem gambling. So if you do have a problem or a family member needs to call and they, they need some help, those resources are readily available, and there are no charge to you. How does, uh, when it comes to the to the rehabilitation for a gambling, uh, for somebody who is addicted to gambling, uh, you know, we, th- we see the drug rehab centers where people actually maybe stay on site for weeks at a time, maybe in some cases. What, uh, is, is a gambling addiction treated more uh, an outpatient type thing? Um, right now, there there are uh, actually several inpatient gambling treatment centers around the United States. We do not have one in Ohio other than the VA. The VA in Cleveland has a residential uh, gambling treatment program. If you're a veteran, that would be available to you. 
Um, if not, the gambling treatment that we provide here in Ohio is, is primarily outpatient, um, and, and it depends on the individual and their schedule and their needs. So every, as, as in substance use or anything else, everyone is different and everyone comes in with different needs um, and, and everyone is treated you know, specifically for what, what it is that they, that they need at the time. Um, gambling treatment is, is very similar to um, anything else. Uh, it, it, gambling has a few things that are different than substance use disorder, but it has a lot of things that are very the same. It has withdrawal. When you're not able to gamble, you get re- restless, irritable. Um, you have preoccupation. You're wondering about the next game, the next ticket, the next uh, you know time to the casino. There's uh, a, a lot of those similarities, but then there's differences in that it does offer hope. Right? You're not going to smoke crack until your child support gets caught up right. or you get your credit card paid off. It's not going to enter your mind. But gambling has that um, that edge or that, that sort of insidious quality to it. I could win. I could be the guy that, that gets the, the big jackpot or the, or the next uh, card is, is my blackjack. You know, it, it could happen. Uh, probability is that it's probably not, but it could. Right, you can't you can't win if you don't play. <laughs> right. So you know it's it's interesting because uh, this is kind of like the state's uh, crime division. You've got the Ohio Attorney General, which might be working to have someone put on death row, and then you've got the Ohio Public Defender's Office, which is also funded by the state of Ohio and state of Ohio employees who are trying to prevent that. And here you've got the Ohio Lottery Commission, which is a state agency, and then your agency, which is it is at complete odds with it. And we are very, very fortunate here in Ohio that uh, the, the Casino Control Commission, the Ohio Lottery Commission, um, the Racing Commission, and us at Mental Health and Addiction work very, very closely together. Uh, we created uh, what's called Ohio for Responsible Gambling, and it's actually a coalition of state agencies. Um, we all know that we have different lanes that we're in, but we but we can work together so that, we, one, we don't duplicate, uh, you know, what each other are doing, but, two, that we stay in very close contact with one another so that we can enhance or avoid, you know, any unforeseen circumstance or problem that one or the other of us may, may create with a policy or, or uh, you know, an initiative. So, we're, and, and obviously our funding, uh, we get significant funding from the casinos, but we also get significant funding from the Ohio Lottery for responsible gaming as well. Talking with Scott Anderson, a problem gambling specialist with the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Sports gaming is is coming right on January 1st. In fact, I even saw an article that said that if the college football playoff game goes, since it's out west, it could still theoretically be playing after midnight, which might open the door for Ohioans to jump online and start betting on it. Um, we're, We're watching that very closely. Um, in other states where, that have gone before us, um, there has been as much as an 800% increase in calls to the helpline. Um, it's, it's a very big thing. Um, it's it's going to be legal pretty, pretty close in every state um, very soon. Um, sports betting is a, is a kind of a unique animal in that uh, we know that through the surveys and things that we've done and data that we've collected over time, we have a very significant um, 18 to 34-year-old um, 
you know, age, uh, sometimes uh, straight to work, um, education plays a factor, and sports betting is kind of the opposite of what we see in other forms of gambling. So it's going to open the market up to another sort of level or tier of, of uh, demographics for us. We also know that um, it's going to be extremely accessible. Uh, there's there's many, many licenses that are being issued for the actual what we call brick-and-mortar uh, buildings and places, the casinos, the professional sports teams, um, and then it's also going to be on your phone. Uh, you're going to have mobile apps that are going to be, you're going to be able to access uh, sports betting from anywhere you are. So it's going to be very, very accessible, and just like anything else, access and opportunity is going to play a huge role and increases in in the harm and increases in the uh, availability and opportunity. It is interesting because, you know, people have been saying all along that the vast majority of the betting is going to take place on mobile devices. People can use their phones to do it. But uh, there has been, in recent weeks, updates from the state on who uh, on the brick-and-mortar locations that are now approved for it through a kiosk or whatever, and there are hundreds of them around the state. So this is going to be in everybody's face come the first of the year. It, it will be. It'll be very, very accessible. And we had initiated initially, you know, we wanted some uh, age verification is a, is a big thing. Um, uh, and also the, the ability to find help. Uh, so we're working very hard and very closely with a lot of those uh, entities to make sure that our helpline information and the resources for us are available just as easily as the sports betting. When you see about these helplines, there's so many people who have never felt the need to reach out to any sort of a helpline, whether it's tobacco or gambling or what have you. And yet these are folks, our neighbors and friends Obviously, people are calling it and and are completely destitute. They have actually absolutely hit rock bottom. Maybe maybe legally they're in big trouble because of what's been happening. I mean, this is this is really uh, scary stuff that people get into. It is, and and we see um, our calls are about fifty fifty with people that are experiencing a problem themselves and people that have a family member or loved one or someone they're concerned about calling to try to help another person. So you can call our helpline for either of those things. And we're also very excited um, in, in recent, in the recent year, a year and a half now, uh, we've added a warm transfer component to our helpline. <clears throat> and we know that a lot of those calls come in after hours or you know late at night or on a weekend. So if you've got a referral for a treatment provider in your community, uh, they might not be open until Monday. So what are you going to do until then? Uh, we have the opportunity now to give you someone, a trained clinician, right on the spot. So if you call that helpline, you can, you can be referred to someone right then and there that can walk you through the process, next steps, um, how, how treatment is initiated in Ohio, uh, where you'll be going, maybe even the name of the clinician that you'll be speaking with when you when you make your appointment. So uh, you can get um, you can get some information, and you don't have to be, you know, uh, living in your car with you know <laughs> nothing left before you call. You can call at any time and get that information and and help uh, move yourself forward. I've been seeing more mentions in the news lately about women and gambling. Women, uh, again, that availability and access 
um, uh, fantasy sports has an, uh, a, a huge, um, you know, following in, in all demographics. Um, also, uh, there's been a lot of increase in interest in women's sports, the women's soccer and, uh, and so forth. Um, in, and again, that accessibility and that availability is, uh, that's everyone, you know, it, it doesn't uh, have any barrier whatsoever to, to age, age, race, sex, or anything else. So as gambling becomes more prevalent, more um, even accepted, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cross all barriers. Are there some people who maybe you're you're concerned about who, let's say they are uh, maybe they're agoraphobic or they just have so much anxiety that that they and they have no interest in going into a casino. It's too intimidating. Maybe the lottery doesn't quite hit their buttons, but this sports betting is going to be a niche that that'll work for them. And, and that's very true. And one of the things we're working on now is a uh, uh, telehealth component. So that you'll actually be able to get your treatment uh, on the same device you're using to gamble, uh, you'll be able to uh, to access care uh, from from the comfort of, of your home. So uh, we're working on a telehealth component right now. We have a few um, agencies around Ohio that offer that because there are still places, you know, in Ohio. Uh, there's a behavioral health. Um, professional shortage. There's people, you know, there's staffing issues, and that's not just with behavioral health. That's that's with you know fast food. It's it's everywhere. Uh, but we are trying to address that need actually through telehealth, so that those folks and folks with transportation issues, um, you know, can can access uh, care as well. Just a couple of minutes to go here with Scott Anderson, problem gambling specialist with the state. Uh, a couple of quick questions that are maybe related. What is it that constitutes a gambling disorder? What needs to be in place for that to be the case, and what are the signs of it? One of the bigger signs is actually um, not being honest about where you've been, how much you've lost, even how much you've won. But um, anytime you you can't be honest about any of those things, Um, also that preoccupation piece, um, if that's all I'm thinking about is getting off this phone call so I can get right, you know, get out and buy my tickets or, you know, place a bet or get to the casino, um, that preoccupation. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, and I, I always use this analogy, you know, I really enjoy corn on the cob. It's one of my, you know, <laughs> summertime uh, favorite things, but I don't have to lie about my use of it. Right. I don't have to control my use of it. I've never tried to eat it in the car or sneak it into a movie. You know, I've never not used it as corn on the cob. So if you're using gambling to avoid unpleasant feelings or as a coping mechanism or to escape, um, you know, or to try to get financially ahead, if you're you're not using it in a a way other than just recreationally or, wow, look at that, the Powerball was a billion dollars. I think I'm going to buy a ticket on my way home. Um, Who knows? Um, if you're using it for for any other reason other than entertainment or recreation, and and you know, um, you know, I I'm a person in long-term recovery myself, um, and you know, I I did not drink like a gentleman. You know, I knew that. Um, and help is available. Hope is available. People do recover, and we have a very robust uh, system in Ohio to help. I know that this isn't the right word, but you you know what I mean when I ask it is. This behavior contagious? It's it can be hereditary. It can there's a there's a family history component. 
and there's a social component. So uh, contagious, uh, no, but it certainly can be uh, socialized, you know, um, playing playing uh, poker, uh, you know, with the family on family vacations may may or may not lead to something. But if I start thinking I'm really good at it because I'm beating my family and I can't wait until I'm old enough to get in the casino and get, you know, to a table, it can definitely play a role. Yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, buddies tend to hang around each other who gamble, you know, more so than, you know, if there's a group of eight guys or women and four of them gamble and the other four don't, if they tend to just socially, you know, start to separate because of that is, I guess, what I was thinking about. Yeah, you want to, yeah, hockey players don't hang out with chess players. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Talking with uh, Scott Anderson, he's a problem gambling specialist with the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Scott, give us uh, the info again on how people can turn to you for help. You can call 1-800-589-9966. And that's 24 hours a day, and you can reach a, a, a specialist that can help you be referred to a provider in your community, or they can transfer you to someone that can talk to you right away if you have any other questions. And if you're in a mental health crisis, uh, 988. You can simply call 988, and uh, uh, resources will be available to you there as well. Okay, and uh, any websites that folks can check out? We have a website, beforeyoubet.org, beforeyoubet.org, and on there, there's a quiz you can take to assess your risk. There's also responsible gaming facts and and, uh, some tips on maybe uh, experiencing problems or consequences and some warning signs. And we also have one for gaming, uh, for the computer gaming crowd. It's called changethegameohio.org, changethegameohio.org. And the same information and resources are available on both of those sites. Okay. Scott Anderson with the State Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Always good to talk to you, Scott. Thanks for the information. Thank you very much for having me. How do you know if you or a loved one is at risk of problem gambling? By knowing the signs, such as borrowing money, hiding unpaid debts, bragging about wins, or just plain irritability. Sound familiar? Get Set Before You Bet is Ohio's initiative to help keep gambling safe and responsible for everyone. How does it work? Just visit BeforeYouBet.org to learn more and take the responsible gambling quiz. Together, we can keep gambling safe and responsible in Ohio. This message brought to you by Ohio for Responsible Gambling. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives. But he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend. From her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Thank you so much for joining us for Face the State on this Sunday. I'm Tracy Townsend. The state's heartbeat law is now on hold. A judge's ruling put it on pause. 10TV's Olivia Eugenio has reaction now from people on both sides of the issue of abortion. An incredibly divisive issue got a little more complicated in the state of Ohio. This has been uh, news that we've been waiting for. Um, uh, we've been holding our breath and waiting for this news. The Harpy Law was passed by our legislature, signed by our governor. It's what the people want. A Hamilton County judge has granted a restraining order against the heartbeat law. The law was first signed back in April of 2019 by Governor Mike DeWine, prohibiting most abortions after the first detectable heartbeat. The law went into effect after Roe v. Wade was overturned earlier this summer. Mark Harrington is the president of Created Equal, a pro-life organization. Well, this was no surprise to us. We expected it. Uh, this is an activist judge, and if you read the ruling, it's a partisan ruling from our point of view. Kelly Copeland is the executive director of Pro-Choice Ohio. She says she's hoping a more permanent solution will go into effect after the two weeks. Regardless of the reason, people have suffered because they have many of them have been unable to legally get local care in the state of Ohio because of the six-week ban. Women will be legally allowed to get abortions in Ohio at up to 20 weeks gestation. Olivia Eugenio, 10TV News. We also reached out to Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's office for comment on this, and we're told the decision is under review and that the AG will consult with the governor's office on some next steps. And all of this is coming as federal legislation was proposed that would impose a national ban on abortions after 15 weeks, including in states that currently protect abortion rights. We talked with Ohio Right to Life and Pro-Choice Ohio about this bill as well. Republicans weren't satisfied with the U.S. Supreme Court sending this issue back to the states. And now that they see voters in places like Kansas voting to protect abortion rights, they're moving to a ban abortions from coast to coast. Um, I think that the first thing that came into all of our heads is just the very real impact that this all has on uh, patients and other pregnant folks, uh, and especially those who are trying to seek care right now. Ohio right to life, we're, we're not going to stop until every human being is uh, given that privilege, the, the right to life, the, the right to, you know, just not be killed. Um, so that's, that's what our message is going to be, is that regardless of what the federal government chooses to do, Ohio is dedicated to protecting every single human being, including those that are in the womb. Ohio's U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown told us this is just the beginning of what he calls a long fight. I'm happy with the court decision. I want it to be more than that. Um, I want the legislature to listen to the public, and the public thinks that women should have con more control over their bodies instead of this. this I, I'm worried that, you know, we're talking about this economic growth in Ohio, but I think some people won't come to Ohio. I'm hearing that from people because we have such a radical state legislature and governor on abortion and on guns, and um, we've got to do better than that. 
House Bill 99 officially took effect. It allows teachers and staff to be armed inside of Ohio schools. It requires 24 hours of specific training, and that training includes how to stop an active shooter and de-escalate a violent situation. Governor Mike DeWine signed the bill back in June. Benjamin Local School District is one Ohio school district considering arming staff under House Bill 99. The superintendent told us 22 staff members, including teachers, cooks, and secretaries, have volunteered. Ohio is giving more money to colleges and universities for safety. There's a total of $5 million available from the Ohio Campus Safety Grant Program. Institutions can start applying right now. The money can be spent on adding lights, cameras, and securing doors around campuses. The state is also investing over a million dollars for first responder wellness. This is all with the hope of helping with a recruiting issue. A total of 26 agencies across the state are getting funding. Delaware Police Department is getting over $34,000 for annual mental wellness checks. And over $12,000 is going to Grove City's Division of Police for a peer support program. Hiring is becoming a universal problem among first responders. 10TV's Ashley Bornanson explains why the recruiting process has some departments looking out of state. Local law enforcement officials tell me there's still a great need for men and women in the service industry to protect and serve our local communities. It's a problem departments are facing across central Ohio. If we're short-staffed, we're not in your neighborhoods as much when you're asleep as we would like to be, or as much as you would like us to be. Chief Robert Ware oversees Worthington Police. His department is one of many needing to hire, and hire quickly. Worthington Police currently employs 28 officers, but needs to fill four, a significant impact, Ware says, to a smaller staff. Ware says younger generations just aren't coming forward with an interest in policing. The more we interact with the community, the more we know them, the more they know us, the more they'll trust us. Trust and empathy, Ware says, comes from recruiting new officers within their own communities to strengthen relationships. An important task, especially since the recent national and even local events between officers and the communities they serve. There are thousands and thousands of interactions every day that make a difference in the lives of people. And those get overshadowed sometimes. Detective Stephen Luoma says being understaffed wears on your mental and physical state, taking on more work. It definitely causes an issue if you don't have enough manpower. You can't get to calls as quickly. Having those extra bodies definitely helps. And we want those folks that are willing to accept the challenge of being guardians more and enforcers less. In Gehanna, police are also trying to hire guardians as older officers retire. It's very difficult to, to fill those, those positions right now, not only police officers, uh, but also our communications technicians, those that answer 911, another very difficult job to fill right now. Gehanna, like others, is a smaller department, and even a handful of openings weighs on the entire force. They're hoping a new facility will keep them competitive against surrounding agencies. It's going to be a great recruiting tool for us. It's going to be a, a great um, facility that will really help us address the needs of the community and also, you know, frankly, for our officers as well. In Gehanna, Ashley Bornanson, 10TV News.
Stay with us. Up next, we're going to check in on the latest polling when it comes to the race for Ohio's next U.S. senator and governor. And construction for Intel is in full force. But can Ohio roads keep up with the increased traffic? We're going to take a look at how this could affect your morning commute. Plus, will you make that commitment? I'm committing to why Senator Rob Portman had to ask that question several times to a TikTok exec on Capitol Hill. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. A new USA Today poll shows a tight race in the Ohio Senate race. Right now, Democrat Tim Ryan is in the lead at 46.6%, and Republican J.D. Vance just under that at 45.6%, with about 6% undecided. Here's a look at the governor's race for our state. 53% of voters polled said they would vote for Governor Mike DeWine, and Nan Whaley came in with 39%, about 6% undecided there. That same poll found that 45% of likely voters don't know who Larry Householder is. Householder has been laying low since he was expelled from office last year. He's accused in the state's largest bribery scandal involving the bailout for two nuclear plants in northern Ohio. He's pled not guilty. When it comes to voting, disability advocates are fighting for better access. The U.S. Election Assistance Commission reports that more than 60 percent of people with disabilities voted in the 2020 election, and 11 percent of them reported having a difficult time doing it. And that's why some states are adding Braille and listening options to voting machines. It actually is helpful if people are an ally and ask to use the accessible voting machine because then it reminds poll workers that this uh, voting machine is available and that it should be offered to everyone. We did reach out to a spokesperson for the Franklin County Board of Elections, and we can tell you that right now all 309 voting locations are equipped for people with hearing, vision, or physical disabilities. A few quick reminders for you about the November election. Military and overseas voting begins on September 23rd. Voters must be registered by October 11th. That's one day before absentee and early in-person voting begins. After serving nearly two decades on the state's highest court, Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor delivered her final state of the judiciary address in the hour-long speech. She hit on many topics, including the fight over district lines in our state. She called for the creation of an independent redistricting commission instead of one made up of politicians. The vast majority of Ohioans said no to political gerrymandering, yet we do not have a constitution that will end gerrymandering. What to do? As I said in my concurrence on our first opinion, declaring the first map unconstitutional, to achieve the goal of ending gerrymandering, Ohio voters will need to return to the ballot box and vote to amend the constitution once again. Article 11 must be amended to create a redistricting commission that is truly, truly independent. 
Other states have done this for the Independent Redistricting Commission. Ohio voters can select another model, one that distances a, restricti a, a redistricting commission from partisan politics by not having elected officials on the redistricting commission. Let's try having ordinary, sensible people who are not driven by politics, but rather by what's fair, fair representation and justice. O'Connor consistently voted down the district maps, calling them unconstitutional. Franklin County commissioners are working to help hospitality workers impacted by the pandemic. They have a resolution that would use $50,000 from the American Rescue Plan. And those working in the restaurant or hotel industry or other parts of the service industry can apply for some financial relief. There's also funding available to help people pay rent. The city of Columbus and Franklin County announced $20 million from the federal government for housing assistance. Impact Community Action will distribute $20 million in funds for housing assistance to people who lost their income because of the pandemic. Leaders say the pandemic, combined with the current economy, has financially stretched many families thin. So since 2020, we've assisted over 30,000 of our neighbors with emergency rental assistance with over 100, you know, using over $100 million. And what we're seeing daily is that there's still a need in our community and everyone didn't know that the help was available. So we're here, the help is available, and it's our mandate to serve. For those who qualify, Impact is providing up to 15 months of assistance designed to ensure housing stability. To apply, visit our website for the link, 10tv.com slash featured links. We're keeping an eye on Intel with the official groundbreaking of the company done, the real work begins. 3,000 Intel employees and thousands more construction workers will need a way to get to and from the Intel site in Licking County. And that means road construction. Well, it's only the beginning. Many of the roads around the site are rural. And there's a concern that the construction crews will cause congestion. 10TV's Kevin Landers spoke with those who are looking to solve that problem. There is a lot of concern about the potential traffic impact Intel will bring to western Licking County, but transportation planners are urging residents to stay calm. Don't panic. Don't, don't give a knee-jerk reaction because you'll just end up hurting yourself in the long term. There are already 10 road-widening projects that you can see on this map. It includes State Route 161 from 270 to New Albany and the roads surrounding the Intel site. But adding more cars to the roadway is not the right solution, says Dr. Harvey Miller of Ohio State Center for Urban and Regional Analysis. Just expanding roads and highways won't do it. He says the law of traffic congestion proves it. And the law of traffic congestion says that if you expand roads and highways, all you get is more traffic. The Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission says it's looking at a combination of different transportation models to solve the traffic problem. One consideration, how far people will travel from home to Intel. We're really looking at this in that 20, 40, 60 hour commute rings and really what each one needs, right? So that's really how we're breaking this down. Coda agrees that land use is a key to finding the right transportation model. What makes it easier to utilize walking to work, biking to work, taking to transit to work is really how housing 
and neighborhood development happens. One potential traffic solution is to create a designated bus lane like this one downtown only on the freeway. But the big thing is to give buses freedom just to move on their own dedicated lanes. It makes the service much more reliable. But planning for that depends a lot on where housing is located, and that's a big unknown with the Intel project. One standard, you know, two or three bedroom family style homes, 10 trips per day. If they spread that out over a large distance, that's a huge impact. If the land is developed in a way where the focus is how to move cars around, that makes other modes difficult. Transportation planners have two years to figure this out. That's when Intel is expected to have its plant in operation. Kevin Landers, 10TV News. One area of frustration for people living in Johnstown is the amount of truck traffic they've seen. We're told planners are looking at a designated truck lane to alleviate all of that. On Capitol Hill, U.S. Senator Rob Portman sparred with TikTok's chief operating officer. Listen to their exchange about keeping user data from flowing to China. Can you make the commitment, though, that I just asked you to make, that you will commit to cutting off all data and metadata flows to China, Chinese-based TikTok employees, ByteDance employees, or any other party located in China? What I can commit to is that our final agreement with the U.S. government will satisfy all national security concerns, yes. But you won't make a commitment to agree to what I have now twice asked you about? Sorry, given the confidentiality of CFIUS, I'm not able to talk specifically CFIUS, about that agreement. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about CFIUS, to, I'm asking whether you'd make that commitment available. today. Will you make that commitment? I'm committing to the, the what I've stated, which is we are working with the United States government on a resolve through the okay. CFIUS process in which we will continue to minimize that data, as well as working with Oracle to protect that data in the United States. Well, that exchange reflects bipartisan concern about U.S. user data possibly finding its way to the Chinese government and being used to undermine U.S. interests. A key concern is that the law in China requires companies located there to cooperate with data requests. Papa says TikTok does not operate in China, though it does have an office there. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, whose founder is Chinese and has offices in China. Papa says... Its Chinese employees do have access to U.S. user data, but reiterated that TikTok would never give it to China. But she avoided saying whether ByteDance would keep us, excuse me, keep U.S. user data from the Chinese government. So let's all stay tuned for that. President Biden is pushing to end cancer as we know it. You are going to hear what's already happening in the Buckeye State to get us to that goal. They walked to school with the goal of integrating an Ohio school building, but they were turned away every day for two years. The story of the Lincoln Marchers is next. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Between business life, social life, and her best bud, Loki, Beverly has a lot to focus on, especially while fighting Stargard, a blinding retinal disease. But she's not fighting alone. 
For 50 years, the Foundation Fighting Blindness has funded research into treatments and cures for blinding retinal diseases, providing hope to people with vision loss. And for Beverly, winning the fight means focusing on what's closest to her. The Foundation Fighting Blindness. Together, we're winning. Help us end blinding diseases at fightingblindness.org. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Imagine the possibilities. Vaccines that could prevent cancer, like there is for HPV. Imagine molecular zip codes that could deliver drugs and gene therapy precisely to the right tissues. Imagine simple blood tests during an annual physical that could detect cancer early with a chance of the cure best. Imagine getting a simple shot instead of a grueling chemo or getting a pill from a local pharmacy instead of invasive treatments and long hospital stays. President Biden wants to put an end to cancer. He's making it a goal to cut cancer death rates by at least 50% in the next 25 years. The president wants to increase funding for cancer research and help it be diagnosed earlier. Part of the president's cancer moonshot funding goes to research right here in central Ohio at the James. We talk with a local oncologist about the work being done in the Buckeye State. We're really also very excited about the idea of liquid biopsy or these blood-based tests uh, broadly for cancer. Um, There's a number of researchers at Ohio State and across the state of Ohio that are studying liquid biopsy in all phases of cancer, screening, at at diagnosis, tracking over time, and in advanced cancer. Uh, My research group actually has a a grant from the National Cancer Institute to study a low-cost liquid biopsy test that we feel like has the potential to to be an accessible test uh, because it's so uh, cost-effective for patients with advanced cancer. Um, So we think that uh, while this screening blood-based test is incredibly exciting, the idea of liquid biopsy as part of cancer care is something that's coming. It's something that we're doing right now. And uh, it's something that we're uh, sort of trying to push the envelope here at the James. Last year, the president made a visit to the James to see the work that's underway there. Earlier this year, the James published an article saying the cancer moonshot could have a tremendous impact and that they're committed to the president's plan. They believe the work they've already done and are doing in patient care, research, and education will help achieve the president's goal. Well, theirs is a story of resilience, courage, and perseverance. A group of black mothers in Highland County fearlessly fought for their children's education with their feet. They're known as the Lincoln Marchers, and their two-year journey is now a powerful documentary. The real-life saga came after Brown versus the Board of Education was decided in 1954, except that Hillsborough, Ohio, became the northern city that made headlines for refusing to integrate the schools. The documentary details how a group of black moms dressed their children up each school day to lead them on a march to the white school for admission only to be rejected every day for two years. I talk with the documentary's producer and two of the women who, as children, were there. I was eight years old, and, and I complained a lot about it because we done it, whether it rained, snow, sun, whatever, we walked about a mile out and um, no, we're going to, you know, get not get in. So we'd have to turn around and walk that mile back home. Whatever my mom said, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, no back talk. 
Right. And, uh, but I, I, I can remember going every day and it was a good experience, you know, I mean, besides the walk all the way there and then walk all the way back to the kitchen schools where we had to learn what we could. Mm -hmm. And besides that, you know, it was good. I, I learned later on, on that. Uh, it was good that uh, I uh, experienced it, but I experienced, you know, nice and good at bad actions from people which to me made me a better person, maybe ready for the world today to see what does go on. When I first heard about this story, I thought it was remarkable. Um, one of the really interesting things about this story is it really is on the forefront of what we consider that traditional um, civil rights movement. You know, this is an action that begins before the Montgomery bus boycott and lasts longer um, than the bus boycott. Uh, so it's really in that early moment when people are starting to push back. And I thought, you know, this is a story that we have in our own backyard and most of us don't even know about it. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was just a remarkable story that we had to get out and share. Well, each day after that rejection, the children would attend those so-called kitchen schools, home schools their mom set up, where volunteer tutors and mothers taught the children. The NAACP joined the fight and eventually won their case in court. Ohio Humanities has helped fund this 20-minute documentary about the marchers, which you can see. You can access it at ohiohumanities.org right now. They certainly hope teachers of students of all ages, nonprofit groups, community organizations, you name it, families, book clubs, you, me, are going to show interest and watch the documentary and talk about what you learned there. In the meantime, we thank you all for joining us here on Face of the State today, and we wish you a great week. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. <sighs> All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. <sighs> hey. <laughs> We're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives. But he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. 
Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me is Matt McLaren. He is the director of Ohio Find It Here. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for talking to us. You're the uh, the state travel and tourism guy. That's right, and travel and tourism is really strong in the state of Ohio. How has it been going in 2022? Well, we saw uh, a strong spring and summer season, and now we're getting ready for what we think will be a lot of uh, travel in the fall, uh, especially people coming in from the states around Ohio. That seems to be where we're getting more and more of our guests. It seems like the airlines, you know, the, they've been swamped all summer, So it, and, and travel is back up. Uh, not business travel, but leisure travel is back up to pre-pandemic levels. So I would imagine it, it has looked pretty normal around Ohio this summer. Yeah, Ohio actually recovered more quickly than most of the United States. Uh, we were back to near record levels in 2021. Uh, and what we've seen in 2022, the events, the festivals, the outdoor activities have been really strong. So we think we're on pace for a record year of travel in 2022. Does it look like the hotel industry has uh, recovered from what was just a disaster for them? Yeah, the hotel industry has recovered well. There's still the overnight travelers still where we're hoping to see more. Um, lots of areas across the state, things uh, like Amish country and Hocking Hills, uh, actually have had record number of people spending the night. But still we want more of the downtown travel. And a lot of that's because the conventions and business travel is still coming back. And that's a, a huge deal because, you know, now that we're getting past the pandemic and you know, there won't be any more pandemic relief money coming in. Those bed taxes from hotels are a big deal locally for, for agency or for government entities. It is. Uh, the tourism industry generates millions of tax dollars for the state of Ohio, state and local governments each year. Uh, we like those visitors coming into Ohio, bringing new money into our state. So over the next few weeks, we'll be getting the fall colors. And uh, what are some of the things that you're recommending Ohioans get out and do this fall? Yeah, it's one of my favorite times of year. You have those cool nights and those warm days. Uh, and what we're, we're looking for is people to go to some of the inviting regions you'll find in Ohio, places like Amish country where the rolling hills near Millersburg, Ohio, and Holmes County uh, can make for some beautiful sights. Um, and also, as you see the leaves change color, you'll find vibrant reds and oranges all across the state, but especially beautiful in Appalachian, Ohio, that stretch that goes along southeast, uh, places like Lake Hope State Park and Salt Fork Lake State Park, where you see not only the leaves, but also the reflection in the water can be extremely beautiful. It seems like uh, the colors start uh, in the north and head south, although there are some pockets here and there that usually break out a little bit earlier. Yeah, there are, and they're expecting the colors to be somewhat late this year. Uh, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources does a color tracker that you can find on our website, ohio.org, uh, and you can see from that tracker where the best colors are uh, coming up and, and when places are at peak colors for the year. You've got uh, the 100 things to do this fall in Ohio on ohio.org, and I was just kind of uh, roaming through that. There's so many things that you know folks around here might not be aware of, and, and your, your site is loaded with them. Uh, one that caught my eye was the Ashtabula County Covered Bridge Festival, October 8th and 9th. That would be a 
tremendous drive up into the northeastern corner of Ohio, and I guess they've got, well, I know they've got five different kinds of covered bridges in that county alone, and I'm not sure how many covered bridges overall, but that would be a pretty good time. Yeah, the Ashtabula County covered bridge, you'll find 19 covered bridges in that trail, uh, all within just a couple miles of each other, including the longest covered bridge in North America. It's worth the trip. Um, something that you can you can go and experience. Keep in mind, you're in Ohio's wine country when you're up there, too. So being able to visit with the many wineries in the area, uh, as well as enjoying those covered bridges, makes for a great fall trip. See, now that's spectacular. That's something to take. You know, if you've got kids, go up there, 19 covered bridges, because they may not be, you know, a lot of them may not be around when those kids are, you know, my age. <laughs> draw people in from all over the country. They love to see the covered bridges. Uh, and if you're going with families, I'll also put on your list the Holden Arboretum, also in Northeast Ohio. Uh, it has not only the beautiful trees that are changing colors, but also some rope bridges and such that you can walk across and have a, a great feel as you cross these caverns in what's uh, more of a hilly area of the state in Northeast Ohio. Talking with Matt McLaren, he is uh, the director of Ohio Find It Here Halloween-based stuff, there's things like the Moonville Tunnel, which is pretty famous or infamous down in Venton County, Uh, but there's a lot of Halloween-related stuff going on around Ohio. Yeah, Dave, you went straight for the really scary stuff. Uh, (laughs) Moonville Tunnel in Venton County, southeast Ohio, it's known as an abandoned railroad tunnel where you'll find ghosts of railroad workers and a ghostly lantern that's said to be lit within it. Uh, Many, many ghost sightings down there at the Moonville Tunnel. I'm going to give you another really scary one, though. Uh, try out the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield. You've seen a lot of paranormal shows that end up filming there, uh, known for its ghosts, but this time of year they also turn it into a haunted house known as Escape from Blood Prison to give you a truly, truly scary experience this fall. That's excellent. And looking on that list of 100 things, uh, you know, there's, I didn't know this existed, the Sandusky County Dungeon Tours. There's also uh, the famous Endings Museum in Dover and the People's Mortuary Museum in Marietta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It gives you a full feel, you know, as we go into the fall, that night comes a little bit more quickly, and the, uh, the, the temperatures, the whole feeling of wanting to be scared is something we're seeing more and more people uh, seek out. So you can look at those haunted places across the state. You'll find information about that on Ohio.org. Uh, and then also, if you want to see some more haunted houses, think about Zumbezi Bay in Columbus, Ohio. And then right now, Kings Island is doing their Halloween haunt. Now, this is recommended for people 13-plus uh, because it is a truly scary experience down there in Kings Island for their Halloween haunt. Yeah, Kings Island, and then you've got Cedar Point with Halloween weekends. And I know uh, there are years in the past when they've actually had to stop admitting people at Halloween weekends because it's just completely full. Cedar Point is a great place for a family to go and enjoy over the fall. Their Halloween weekends, you can enjoy their amusement park rides like the giant roller coasters, uh, but then also the fall decorations and the haunted feeling that they bring out to the park at night in the fall. What about uh, some of these places, you know, local restaurants are also highly dependent. There are some places, and I'm thinking down in Hocking County, they do this a lot where they have restaurants that do kind of a tour where they kind of plug their own specialties uh, and people drive around to each one. How are restaurants doing this this summer and fall? Yeah, we've seen restaurants, the amount of business really pick up. Uh, and in the fall, they're able to feature a lot more local foods, the apples and pumpkin that really... Um, 
make Ohio a great place for fall foods. Uh, I would suggest not just the restaurants, but also think of the orchards, places like Orchard and Co. or Lynn's Fruit Farm, where you can pick your own apples and try some of the uh, pumpkins, pick your own pumpkins and try some pumpkin-made foods there as well. Talking with Matt McLaren. He's the director of Ohio Find It Here. Anything else you'd like to add, Matt? Yeah, right now you'll find over a thousand things to do at Ohio.org. Okay, outstanding. Uh, Thanks so much for your time and good luck. Thank you, Dave. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.